Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Everly starts with a rush down the right wing. A shot off the pads of Bachman. The rebound, Lucic. Fed Nugent up, gets back door. And a hat trick for Jordan Everly. The second of his NHL career. And Edmonton's pouring it on here at Rogers. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. All right, just one playoff game tonight. Ottawa and the Rangers are scoreless with seven minutes left in the first period. Ottawa up 2-1 in the best of seven. The Oilers practiced this morning and then traveled to Anaheim. The game tomorrow against the Ducks is on 6.30 Chad. The face-off show is 6. The game will start at 8.30. We will continue to have live coverage of every Oilers playoff game right here on 6.30. Chad, here's head coach Todd McClellan after today's practice. I liked our group this morning. Our group came in and uh, they had uh, an energy in them. And, um, you know, they were wide-eyed. I thought they'd be a little sleepy, a little bit down. Uh, but our group was good. Uh, we can't change what's happened in the past. There's going to be numerous calls that we don't think go our way and that Anaheim doesn't think goes, you know, goes their way. Uh, but you have to park it. You have to over, overcome that and start playing again. Um, we can debate all we want. Um, we can argue all we want. It doesn't change the fact that we're tied 2-2. All right, the road team has won every game in the series. Obviously, he referenced that they can't change some of the calls. I know many of you are furious about the officiating in last night's game. Look, I'm here to listen as I was on overtime open line. You can call 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. Some other interesting points from McClellan today about uh, other things going on in the series. I'm going to ask you a favor. If If you want to bring up the officiating tonight, I want you to... Tell me what needs to change or what you would like to see instead of what we are seeing. Don't just call in and tell me you're mad about what happened because everybody knows many of you are mad about what happened. So if you want to bring that up, uh, have something you would like to see done differently, either in how the game is called or or the rules or video review or something like that. I simply ask you to take it in that direction. By the way... Keep an eye on the 630 Chet Facebook page starting at 10 tomorrow morning. We're going to be doing the uh, duck hunt once again, giving away a pair of playoff tickets to Game 6. The tickets are hidden somewhere in Edmonton. Somewhere in Edmonton. And uh, the bit of a scavenger hunt there. We're going to have clues every hour starting at 10 tomorrow morning until the tickets are found. So that's on the 630 Chet Facebook page. So that's pretty cool. So keep that in mind. The uh, Game 6, by the way which those tickets are for, the NHL announcing today will be at 5 p.m. on Sunday. And you're going to hate me in advance for this. 
The Oilers are 0-3 in 5 p.m. Sunday start times this season, including a 6-3 loss to Anaheim last Sunday. So they're due, right, as the Rangers have just scored to go up 1-0 on the Ottawa Senators. Reed Wilkins with you on Inside Sports. It's 6:09. We have Billy on the open line. Billy, thanks for calling. Hey, Reed. Thanks for having me. Um, you know what? Just a, just a comment. I, we, the coach was right. We can debate, uh, go back and forth. Obviously, we don't agree with the calls in Edmonton. I don't think anybody around the league does. But you know what I would like to see? I would love to see the coach show a little more emotion on the bench when we get ripped on these calls. I mean, I, I've seen uh, I've seen Laviolette lose his temper. Uh, not lose his temper, but just a little more jam behind the bench. I feel like he's so mellow when the calls don't go our way. He just kind of shrugs it off. Maybe he's talking to them in between whistles. We don't see it during the commercials, but uh, I don't know. I'd like to see a little more jab behind the bench, a little more emotion coming from the coach, really. You know, that's an interesting point. I- I'm going to just put this out there, and, and, he, and he does he does talk to them. You, you do see little conversations. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if, if this is the case, Billy, with a team that has never been in the playoffs and still is relatively young. I know there are experienced players, but they do have a relatively young team. I wonder if if Todd is thinking, if I lose my cool, then that's a cue for the team to lose its cool, right? Whereas an older team, an older team might think, okay, Todd's putting on a show. We understand what he's doing to try to get the refs' attention. Now we got to go out there and play and try to draw a penalty for him. Whereas a younger team might think, oh, well, Todd's freaking out. I guess this panic situation. Oh my God, what are we going to do? I'm just wondering if that's his approach. You know what, Reed? That's fair, but at the same time, these are—I mean, they're not. Uh, this isn't Phantom B. They're professionals right. in the NHL, right? So, I think uh, I think they're professionals, and I think that if they show, if they had their coach had a little emotion, maybe it could go the other way. Maybe they could get amped up and get out there and play a little bit harder for their coach because they know he's so ticked, right? I mean, it could go either way. I just thought. Uh, I don't know. Me personally, I'd like to see a little more jam behind the bench. No, no one's brought that up before, Billy. I appreciate that. Thanks for calling. Okay, bye-bye. 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. Wayne says, uh, officiating is what makes the NHL a Bush League. In football, interference is interference, period. Using this idiotic and twisted logic, should the rookie officials get less respect and be able to get pushed around until they get the players' respect? I'm confused. That's from Wayne. Well, Wayne, once we're into football season, I want you to remember that you wrote, interference is interference. (laughs) Because I, I don't think it's quite that simple either once we get into football season. That's become a uh, highly debated call in both the three-down and the four-down leagues that we uh, often talk about. But I appreciate you appreciate you texting. That is a good point. We have Marcel online too. Marcel, you're on with Reed. Yeah, hi. Uh, about that, about the call in that first uh, goal. Um, you know, because it was such a close call and they made a judgment, uh, it was still a reasonable thing to be challenging. And I think it should be uh, available to the league to be able to say, okay, well, we're ruling against you, but it's close, so we're not going to charge you the timeout. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because that was kind of a double whammy, you know. Well, yeah, because if they would have had the timeout, they could have challenged the offside. But I got to say this, Marcel. Given what I've seen with offsides, I have no idea how they would have called that one. I mean, it looked offside, but so have other well, ones. But that, either way, like yeah. it was a really a judgment call that the Oilers were uh, penalized on. 
on the first one. Well, and that's and what it came down right. to because, you know, I, I, I was reading all the – I read some last night and I went and looked at it again today. There's tons of stuff on goalie interference, where the contact happens. Here's one thing I will say, Marcel. I wish when the – because the NHL PR has a Twitter account and they post stuff on the NHL website – I wish when they gave an explanation, the the explanation was more than just, after review, we have determined the call on the ice stands and there was no goaltender interference. I mean, why don't they say the referees looked at Corey Perry's contact of Cam Talbot and they determined that the contact was was not significant enough to inhibit uh, Talbot from making the save because he was positioned here and the goalie was positioned here. I think fans would appreciate that. Maybe they wouldn't. Maybe it would just give people more of a reason to get mad. But I wish the explanations were a little more detailed. Well, plus, if they don't have to penalize you for uh, making the challenge, if they figured it was close and it's reasonable to challenge, that they should be able to say, but it's not going to charge your time out against you as well. Yeah, maybe they could They could, They could. could look at that. that. That would be saying, you know, it was a close call, so we're not going to charge you the time out. Yeah, maybe they could have a judgment like that. Thanks, Marcel. Appreciate it. 780-496-0063. Mike on Twitter says, Todd shouldn't cause a scene on the bench and embarrass the refs. Then they'll look for calls to go against the Oilers. Just like Rob Brown always says, make your point to the ref behind closed doors and uh, move on. That's in response to the uh, earlier caller, Billy, who was hoping uh, McClellan could be a little more demonstrative behind the bench. Behind the bench. Uh, <laughs> Daryl says, uh, "Read, I'm recording the Ottawa New York Rangers game. Please give spoiler alerts." Oh, well, man, I've never, I've never had a request for to, to not spoil Ottawa Senators games before. Maybe he's a Rangers fan. I don't know. Uh, Todd says to the guy who just called in, wanting more projection from the coach. Sounds like the discussion some years back that the coach is supposed to motivate the players. They're professionals, and they're supposed to enjoy what they do. It's laughable. It's on the players, not Todd. That's a text to 63630. Uh, Richard agreeing with the last caller. Is there a way to make a change to the challenge rule where teams don't lose a timeout? That way the officials could be held in account as well. Right now they have no accountability. Well, here's another thing for you. Is there a way that they could not uh, lose a timeout and some of the challenges don't take seven minutes to decide? I mean, could they put a cap on two minutes for it? Like, here's the thing. I know people will still debate the calls, but if it's not obvious after, what, 90 seconds, can the call on the ice not just stand? I wouldn't mind seeing that as well. Cordell on line three. Hi, Cordell. Cordell, are you there? All right. I don't think we have Cordell, so we'll bring in Al to the show. Hi, Al. Hey, Reed. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing quite well. Thanks for calling. Oh, okay. You know, um... That's, that call with Perry on the goalie, the orders can use that as a weapon now. Uh, you know, everybody's kind of like uh, 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 calling in and, and whining and fact is a fact is a loss of the loss. If they're smart, they can do that to their goalie. And if, you know, the Talbot's body's 90% in the crease, 10 or 5% out, he's not like that, and it, it affected him so uh, enough to not make the save. Well, we can do that as a weapon now. We have that now as the Oilers on the next game and the next game because now because that technical that ruling is there what do you think well i i I think that's a good point to some extent that if the ducks are are pushing the boundaries then the oilers maybe need to try to push the same boundaries i know talbot said today 
that it wasn't the skate contact that was such a big deal, but that Perry's backside moved his blocker. And Talbot told me, if I have my blocker in position, it's a routine save. Like, he saw the puck, he knew where it was going, but his blocker got pushed over so he couldn't move it back. And that's why he was upset right after the goal win. And it wasn't because the uh, the, the skate contact knocked him off balance. But you're right. So, I mean, the Oilers should be crowding the net just like the Ducks are doing. So if Talbot's outside the blue paint... He can be nudged? He can be hit? No, it depends. Uh, I mean, where are the rules here? Um, incidental contact with a goalkeeper will be permitted and resulting goals allowed when such contact is initiated outside of the goal crease provided the attacking player has made a reasonable effort to avoid such contact. So I think they were oh. saying Perry was outside the crease and oh. he it was incidental. And I mean, that's a judgment. I mean, the ref can look at anything and say, no, it's my judgment, it's incidental, even on the replay. Okay, yeah, I just want to make sure, uh, I just want to be clear because it's a little uh, fine line, a little fuzzy there, but uh, yeah, if I was the orders, I'd use it as a weapon. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much, Reed. Fair enough. All right. Jeff, Kelly, you're up next on the phone line. Have a little bit more from Todd McClellan on the uh, non icing on the game winning goal when we get back inside sports on Chad. This is Oscar Clefbaum from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right. Thanks for tuning in tonight. To be your savior. This texture says, what happened to the Oilers in the second period in general? Screw the bad calls. They didn't show up. Well, I'm glad somebody wrote that in because, I mean, the, sh- the shots were 21-5 in the second period. Not because of the officials, because the Ducks controlled the game. And they got the Oilers on their heels. The Oilers didn't handle the pressure well. They made some rushed, panicked, or even fearful plays. They didn't get the puck in deep. You know, they turned it over too much in the neutral zone. Uh, you know, the Ducks just kept coming. So it was not a good period for the Oilers overall. I asked Todd McClellan, what can you do to uh, avoid being dominated for such a long stretch of time? The breaks between periods have hurt us throughout the series. We uh, we seem to get either rolling or... Uh, and, then, and then we go in there, we have a break. They get a chance to regroup their mature team. Uh, they come out and they reestablish. So we've got to find a way between periods to, uh, to adjust and get back uh, pushing. But I, I think in the two home games in particular, the... Um, the emotional recovery in a game has been uh, a little weaker on our behalf than I would like. And, and what I mean by that is they scored 25 seconds into game three. And uh, we didn't recover from that real quick. It took us half a game. Um, they scored the fourth goal. And we never did recover off of that. Uh, last night we're up by two. We don't play uh, particularly well for a short period. They get going. It takes us a long time to recover. So uh, there's going to be ups and downs in a series. We're learning that. Um, and, and the emotional recovery and the ability to, to get back on task has to happen a little bit quicker for our team. Because it's not going to be perfect. It won't be pretty uh, you know, from now until however long we play. And those are just lessons we're learning. You know, I like the way Todd put that about the emotional recovery and getting back on task. And I think one way that the Oilers improved a lot this season is is a uh, game to game improvement. I mean, they rarely had two stinkers in a row. They didn't know, you know, they sure they had games where they lost two in a row. But if they had a game where they were beaten badly or really off, they often came back with a more detailed game the next time. 
and they've gotten better, obviously, at not folding their hand. But now you're deeper into the playoffs. Now you play a, a really good team that can be patient, that doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And the Oilers haven't been able to match that. And they haven't been able to get on task, back on task, as quickly as the Ducks have been able to when something bad happens to them. So that's an interesting thing to watch for over the next two or three games, depending how long it goes. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Jeff, thanks for waiting. I wanted to play that uh, Todd clip. What's on your mind? No, that's, uh, that's interesting that you played that clip because uh, that's exactly what's on my mind. Uh, through this whole playoffs, I find the Oilers, they show moments of brilliance through parts of the game, and then they just shut down for moments of others. Um, I mean, I think you saw this in the San Jose series definitely seeing it in the Anaheim series and the team just needs to play I mean a full 60 minutes is ideal but I mean even trying to play maybe even a full 45 would be nice well and and like and and that's why I wanted to ask Todd that question because I mean we all know the other team's going to score they're going to make plays Uh, I mean that Raquel goal was an incredible one-timer moving away from the net okay he made a play but you can't – I mean, the, the the second period was basically a write-off, Jeff. Like, you can't oh. give a team that much of the game. Oh, it was atrocious. And, I mean, we've seen it time and time again where the Oilers are constantly defending uh, for long periods of time. I mean, that just wears, wears the guys out. and You can't really recover from that. I mean, it's a, it's a grind. The cup is a grind. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to have to focus on that stuff for sure. Thanks for calling, Jeff. But thanks. All right. Kelly, Elvis, Rudy, you're on the open line. I'll get to as many texts as I can. This will be fun. In the second hour of the show, Kevin McClelland is going to join us, former Edmonton Oiler. He'll check in. He's now coaching Junior B in Utah, and he's been following the Oilers here through the playoffs. But, of course, more time for you inside sports on 630 Chet. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. Nick Holvin has the only goal in the Rangers-Ottawa game. New York up 1-0 after the first period. Senators have a 2-1 series lead. Oilers practiced today and flew to Anaheim. Bieksa, Eves, and Kase all questionable for the Ducks tomorrow. Kase was uh, injured by Milan Lucic last night. Sidney Crosby skated today. No update, though, on when he'll be able to return to action for the Penguins. Claude Giroux will be the captain for Team Canada at the upcoming World Hockey Championship. We'll get back to the phone lines in a second here. Uh, Blair says on the text line, bad calls in hockey are a fact of the game, and they're going to continue to happen. The Oilers need to worry about what they can control and not worry about what they can't. They can control their performance. They need to play 60 minutes of hockey, not 10 or 15 per game. The bottom line is the Oilers have a few players who aren't producing, and they need to step up to the plate if the team is going to make it out of this round. That is a text from Blair. And another texter says, uh, I think Eberle should be sat for a couple of games until he learns how to engage in the game. Well, I don't think Eberle's going to be sat out, but I, I, I would think that he starts on the fourth line tomorrow with DeHarnay and Pouliot. I, I, I would, I would kind of hope that, too, for the betterment of the team. I think Slepyshev has been you know, a more dynamic player, quite frankly, in this series, and he gets to the net more. And what, Slepyshev has two playoff goals, and uh, Everly has none. Kelly at 780-496-0063. Hi, Kelly. Hi there. One of the things uh, 
like to or think is the flow of the game gets so interrupted by the by the reviews. Yep. That uh, it's hard for the back to uh, back into the game after such a long review. And you know when things are happening during the game, but fast and rest miss plays. You can, you know, accept that. But when, once the game stops and you're watching it on a 20-foot screen above your head and the ref's looking at it on a 10-inch on an iPad and he still gets it wrong, to your opinion, it's a, it's a, it cuts a little deeper, right? And it's harder for them to get back into the game, I think. So would you like to see, I think we agree on the screens, obviously. I mean, I don't know why they can't put a 40-inch screen in the penalty box. Maybe they could even lower it out of the, like, behind the bench or something. But would yeah. you are, are you are you saying what I suggested earlier that they should have a time limit on the length of reviews? Oh, absolutely! Like you take everybody gets out of the game, and then you're watching it on a huge screen above your head, and you think, okay, that's going to go our way. And then when it doesn't, it just cuts a little deeper. Like before, when it was a bad call and there was no reviews, you moved on, and the game continued, and you didn't have time to dwell on it. I think the way the game has stopped now and players all hang their hopes on, okay, yeah, that's going right. to go our way, and it doesn't. It, it just cuts a little deeper, I think, and harder to harder to get back. So it, it's, like a, it's like allowing the same goal twice. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's, just, it's just too, you know, and it takes too long. And I hate the reviews, the, the offsides by, you know, the skates off the ice by a little bit. You know, as long as hockey's been going on, those plays have been happening. And I know they're trying to get them right, but it just takes too long. And it, it just, to me, it it uh, puts too much, yeah, too much weight on on every play. Yeah, and it slows it down so much that it's it's hard to stay engaged in the game when you have three to five minute delays, and then it doesn't go your way. It just makes it harder to to forget about it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, good point, Kelly. Appreciate you calling. 780-496-0063. It's 638. We have Elvis on the line as well. Hey, Elvis. Hey, Reed. You know what? Uh, I hope you're having a fantastic evening. And, and look at this weather. We're in a tournament. We're in the final <laughs> eight. I love it. I'm gonna. I'm going golfing tomorrow. Oh, my team is tied. It, yeah, my team is tied 2-2. Uh, nobody even – a lot of people were saying after we finished 29th last year, a lot of people weren't expecting us to make it. Or whatever, and if you if you look at it, you watch last night's game. Slepeshev hit Gibby Gibson behind the net, uh, gave him a pretty good shot behind the net. They didn't call that. There's some calls that haven't gone our way. I get that 100. percent I've been watching hockey a long time, my friend, and you 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 know the sport as well as I do. Things should and probably will even out before the end of this series is over, and and I still think no team has been able to win at home. I bet you we win tomorrow night in Anaheim. I'd just, love to I see just, it, Elvis. I just think they're gonna they're, they're gonna play well, and I agree with Eberle being like I don't know what's wrong with that. It seems like his confidence is a scary thing, and it seems like he's he's hearing footsteps and he's got no confidence. Uh, moving him to the fourth line and bringing other people up and giving other people a crack, I think, is fantastic. They need to do more than that. And as far as McClellan, uh, you watch that Randy Carlisle. You and I were talking the other night. That guy. Every time the referees do something, he's over that bench and his ties in the players neck and he's screaming and spitting and that's the referee and i don't know if that works i don't know if that that gets works for you or it doesn't but every coach coach is different and the way uh 
McLeod has coached this this team this year. I'm proud to have him as a coach, a coach, and I'm proud to be an Edmonton Oilers fan. It's, it's been a long time, and I'm just happy we're here. All right, thanks, Elvis. We appreciate it. Got a text here to six thirty six thirty. Uh, this is a long text. I'll just read some parts of it. This person says Talbot has been good, but he make he needs to make the key timely saves. McDavid, while the regular season MVP, needs to carry that over into the playoffs and he needs to start taking over games like Getzlaf. Uh, then there's a lot of stuff about Everly, which we've already talked about. Um, then this person says, the Oilers need to stop Getzlaf from running their show. He's slapping them around. The whole team needs to play with more urgency. They look slow, lazy, and lack intensity. Well, obviously they need to stop Getzlaf. I mean, uh, Jim Matheson asked... Todd McClellan today if uh, he's going to put Dreisaitl at center up against Getzlaff. McClellan didn't commit to it. Uh, He just said possibly, so we'll see how the lines look tomorrow. Look, I I just want to say to this texture, this person saying they look slow, lazy, and lack intensity. Well, if they look that way, it's because they're playing a very good team. I I, I mean, let's, let's move past oh, well, they lost, so they must be lazy. I mean, they made mistakes they haven't handled all the situations well. Part of that is what Anaheim is doing to to them. Part of that is the Oilers not reacting well enough to that. But that isn't necessarily laziness. I mean, not every time your team loses, it's because they're lazy. I mean, they made the final eight of the season, final eight teams of the season. So if your argument is based on pure laziness, there must be 23 teams that are lazier than the Oilers. So I don't think it just comes down to that. I think they're playing a very good team. Hi, Rudy. Hi, Reed. How are you? Doing well. Okay, I have a couple of points. Uh, quick one. Uh, yesterday we lost to ourselves before we blamed the referees. Uh, we kind of made uh, some key errors and, and it cost us the game, which is fine. But going back to the referees, um, I just want to relate to an NBA game. It happened between the San Antonio Spurs and Memphis Grizzlies. Um, same thing. You could count us as Memphis and Anaheim as San Antonio. Right. So now their Memphis star player was getting hacked and whacked, same as McDavid, and we're getting the same treatment from the referee. And it happened with them game one and game two and game three. So finally the coach for Memphis had enough of it, and during his press, uh, press conference came out and stormed out at the referee and said this is unacceptable and threw his mic on the podium. Do you think uh, Todd McClellan should do the same? Because it can't, he did get fined 25000 by the league, but the treatment of his star players, kind of changed after that tone. Do you think we should follow in that path, or what do you think? Uh, I, I don't think so. I know another caller brought that up. I, I, don't, I don't know if Todd McClellan necessarily losing his mind to the point where he gets fined or, or tries to intimidate officials is necessarily going to solve anything. Um, I mean, I do think there's a time and place for, for a, a coach to maybe you know be more demonstrative or, or say some stuff. Um, but but again, I, I don't think Todd wants that to be the focus. I don't want. I don't think he wants to get his players thinking that that's the focus. That's just how I would approach things. I know on the text line, people are talking about it, and you, you know, there's kind of kind of a little bit of both. I I don't know if Todd McClellan coming out and taking and then look, the the power plays are actually pretty even in the series, and the, the other stuff we're talking about. I don't know if Todd yelling about. Um, a goaltender interference call or, or not having an extra challenge is is going to necessarily make a big difference. He did say this today when asked about the game-winning goal and the non-icing. There's two parts to it. I was bothered and disappointed in the, the non-icing call. Um, I'm not sure why it was waved off. Never did get an explanation. But uh, 
when it's not waived off, there has to be, uh, or pardon me, when it is waived off, there has to be a responsibility of the, the rest of the players to finish out the, the play, and we didn't have that. So there's two pieces, disappointed in both. All right, so there's a little comment on how the Oilers handled that icing being waved off. We have Dave on the line as well. Hi, Dave. Hey, Reed. Uh, good show. Thanks. I just wanted to uh, say on the... Uh on the replays, uh, I've been lucky enough to go to a couple of playoff games, and I think there's a goal scored. Show it one more time, and I'm sure the refs know that if there's going to be a challenge, it's going to be held right away. Don't keep playing that over and over. All that does is it gets everybody crazy in that building. Leave it to one, and then if there's a challenge, they don't see it again until that challenge is done. In a specific time, I agree with you, there has to be a time limit. That's frustrating being there, even watching. Um, and as far as the players read, I think some of the orders are realizing there's not just one gear up in the playoff. There's like two or three, and they have to catch that. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, everything's everything's more intense, and some of the shots and you know the how one shift can swing a momentum in the game is obviously all all magnified and all turned up to 11 for sure and the Oilers haven't always adapted to it i mean they they have fought back i mean they fought back to tie the last two games at 3 but then they couldn't get that next goal right so yeah they, yep. they i mean they, they're they're not getting dominated they're not a i mean they're not a horrible team i don't think they're a lazy team but you know they're to to be a true elite team they probably need to tweak the roster a little bit and, and learn from whatever is going to happen over the next, whether it's two more days or two more weeks. Well, uh, absolutely. And the best thing for them is they're learning every shift, every game. And, uh, hey, we're 2-2, two, two, right? So, Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. All right, Dennis, Kent, and Brent, you're up next. Got to take a quick timeout. Inside Sports on Chet. This is Jordan Everly from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. The uh, WHL Bantam Draft was held today. Edmonton's Caden Gooley taken first overall by the Prince Albert Raiders. The Edmonton Oil Kings took Jake Neighbors left wing from Airdrie fourth overall as their first round pick. As of right now, you can go to 630Ched.com and enter to win... Two tickets to Game 6, which is going to be Sunday at 5 at Rogers Place. You can enter once per hour. One winner will be selected at noon on game day. That's Sunday. Uh, you'll have to pick up your tickets at the Ched booth in Ford Hall. So there you go. We're once again giving away tickets. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Ched, 780-496-0063. We have Dennis on line 4. Good evening, Dennis. Good evening. What's up? Uh, you know, I'd like to say something about DRNA, eh? Sure. You know, you look at yesterday's game, 83% at the face-off, right? You put Eberle with him, he makes Eberle look good. He comes in two months ago and fits right into the team, right? Who was he with when he came? Uh, who was he with when he first started? Was he with yeah. Cassian and Pouliot? Exactly. And and everybody's like, oh, wow, Cassian, man, he's doing great. Well, uh, well this is the guy who made him look good, day or nay, right? He's not getting enough respect, not getting enough ice time as far as I'm concerned. I, I think I think he's playing quite well for, for a guy who we just picked up two months ago, and he's fitting in pretty darn good. 
Well, I think he works hard. I, I, it seems to me, Dennis, he I, I thought his first six or seven games with the Oilers were pretty good. Then I thought he was quite quiet. I, I, in the playoffs, you know, that happens to everybody. Yeah, though, in, right? in, in the you playoffs, I, I thought he he's he's doing well. I mean, you don't have the huge offensive expectations for him. I, I will well, say look, this he's about on the fourth line. I mean, you know, why don't you let him play on the second line? Give him more ice time. Give him give him some players that you if you watch him play, he's making all these passes to guys that are missing the pass, and and you know it it drives me nuts. You know, let's put him on the second line. Leave him with Eberly, and let's see what happens with Eberly. Well, they might leave him, Pouliot, and Eberly together tomorrow. I think I think that'd be awesome. And I wonder too if uh, I mean I don't I don't know if David DeHarnay is going to swing the series one way or another. I wonder if he could put him on the second unit power play. Maybe he could alternate well, he with. He already Kajula. swung the series. I mean, you you know, an overtime goal. Oh, well, against San Jose, sure. Game. I mean, you know, right. So I mean, he's already done a part that way, but. I well, mean, yeah, put him with some, put him with some players, you know, put him with Cassian again, or you know, but Eberly and Pouliot, I think that I think that could be a great line with those guys. You all know, right, they're well, a little small though, but well, I hope you know, so tomorrow. They're gonna need they're gonna need those guys. Thanks for the love for Deharnay, yeah, Dennis. Bet. Appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Kent calling in from Ottawa. Hello, Kent. Thank you very much hi. for calling. Hi, Reed. Thanks for taking my call, and, and uh, thanks for uh, the radio show. I, I just love radio, and I love hearing this kind of discussion. Um, I heard a lot of stuff about Eberly. Uh, some of it, I think, correct, and some of it, you know, sort of all over the place. But regardless of, you know, what we think of his salary or whatever, if you look over the past 10 seasons or so, and you look at the Oilers' best performance by points or Oilers' best performance by uh, points per 60 minutes, Everly has, depending on your measure, like at least three of those best performances. So he's been a good player for us at different times. We can say, well, that was Hall or that was, you know, whatever, who was driving his point production, RNH, whatever. You can make those arguments. But he has done a lot for the Oilers. And last night... Um, Obviously, the first goal, he made two giveaways against. He made two giveaways and looked really bad. But he did have a positive contribution towards the winning goal, I thought. And, and uh, uh, the sorry, tying the goal. Last the tying, goal. Tying goal. Yeah. yeah, the tying goal. Yeah. I thought he looked pretty good on that one. Um, and then just in terms of the refs, uh, I, I know I, was, I listened to Bob's show today, uh, even though he wasn't there, it was a guest host. And there was a lot of tight talk about um, just, uh, sorry, veteran teams getting better calls and, and such. Well, Anaheim during the regular season was the second most penalized team in the NHL. I thought so, they were first. Okay. But, I think the first, well, it depends on your measure, but Calgary and Anaheim were right up there as okay. two of the most penalized. So I don't know what that means, but it seems like the playoffs has a different uh, – it's, they they make fewer calls, and maybe Anaheim knows how to negotiate that. I, I don't know. I have no idea, but I just wanted to mention that. But no, we appreciate your stuff, Kent. Thanks a lot for calling. I know we'll hear from you again. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Bermuda boy texting in. I wonder if he's actually in Bermuda right now, or if he just is in Edmonton from Bermuda. He'll let me know. 
Uh, he says, I'm tired of people talking about the calls evening out. This lets the officials off the hook yet again and gives them the autonomy to even out the game. In my opinion, a penalty is a penalty. Call it and the players will adapt. It's like raising children all uh, all they want and all you need to do is be consistent on the final drive to the basket in a basketball game a uh, foul is called if the player is fouled the official is not left to let it even itself out finally maybe we were expecting too much because the league can't get calls right even with replay that's from Bermuda boy and I'm gonna I'm gonna slightly differ with you Bermuda boy I think basketball is quite bad for officials trying to even out calls. And I did, no, this was not the NBA, so you can chuckle at me if you want. Um, but I, I did seven years of play-by-play, six or seven, I can't even remember now, it was at least six, of play-by-play for U of A games, and I got to do a lot of games right by the Bears bench or the Pandas bench, and they're always tracking fouls. And during a timeout to be like, they got a, you've called 11 on us, only six on them. You know, or we've or we've shot four three free throws. They've shot eighteen. What's going on? I mean, and you know, sometimes it would have an influence. All right, we got Brent on the line. Brent, I got about a minute for you. Okay, just wanted to quickly say um, that I, I I wonder if uh, first off, it's great that we're not talking about the top five draft picks. So I agree. Playoffs. <laughs> Having said that, um, I also wondered two things. One, it seems like you're not going to score on Gibson. If you're not either moving a lot, like, you know, uh, McDavid and uh, Dreisaitl goal, and passing a lot, or if you're not having anyone in front of them, which they don't seem to be doing enough except once in a while on the power play. And I wonder if that isn't part of it. I mean, he just seems to be too good of a goalie to just shoot on, and, you know, almost anywhere. Or a garbage goal rebound, at least. But he hasn't even been too bad at rebounds. When he has, they've come really far out, actually. I I think, Um, Brent, we're seeing the impact. And and quite frankly, I knew the Ducks' defense was good. I think they're better than I thought they were going to be. They're mobile. They can transport the puck. They can pass the puck. So, therefore, the Oilers have trouble getting a forecheck going. Therefore, there's no traffic. That's what I think is happening. They're they're not even inside the box a lot. Right. That is, you're right, credit to the Ducks. That's partially why, right? And um, and and I think that that's been part of their frustration. And hopefully, they find a way to solve that. Uh, the other thing I just wanted to say too, though, and I don't know, Lucci seems to drive so much of the the um, team, the atmosphere with it. And when they went, when he scored, I kind of thought, okay, we're going to do well. And that was after a lot, a great start, anyways. And then on the third goal that I saw. He was in behind. That's the one where he slipped, and then he hit the boards. And I don't know if he hurt himself or whatever, but if you look in the replay, he seemed to me, you know, I didn't play the game, so I can't say for sure, but it seemed to me he was really slow coming back. I don't know if he was hurt or if it just didn't was way back on the play. And then it took an extra player coming out. I'm not saying that that affected actually the goal. Now we were sort of down a player. Maybe it did. But I am saying I wonder if his attitude hadn't changed and everyone had picked that up. And I... You had a caller say earlier, or a texter say they were lazy. I agree with you. They're not at all lazy. But but they don't seem to put together 60 minutes. There's 20-minute periods. It's not always the first period, and it's not always the second period. Sometimes it moves around, and then they yep. have moments. But, you know, unlike uh, you know, Getzlaff, who obviously knew what was coming in that game and how important it was, he put together an amazing 60 minutes, and the team, I feel like, hasn't really done that. And... You know, game two, they stole, which was great. Game one, they sort of played great a lot, but not all the way through. Yeah. And, uh, you know, game three, 
you know, they lost, and, and it is what it is. In game four, we're all blaming the refs, but they, they had a great start, and they did not come. Horrible second period. 21 yeah. shots against. Yeah. Brent, yeah. I got to run to the news. Thanks for calling, man. We appreciate it. 780-496-0063. How about this? Kevin McClelland, former Oiler, up next on Inside Sports. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.